Okay, let's go in our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 4, beginning with verse, uh, actually just reading verse 23. Last week, if you were here, uh, we began a new series that we're calling Heart Conditions. And uh, we're exploring some of the conditions uh, that affect the heart. And our focus text is Proverbs, chapter number 4, verse 23. It says, Keep your heart with all diligence. Another translation says, Guard your heart. For out of it spring the issues of life. Or as that other translation says, for it determines the course of your life. He says this is very serious business, your heart. And so last week we preached about a hardened heart. If you missed that, you can go back and listen to the podcast, uh, either with Apple or Spotify. Uh, Those things that harden our hearts, they are... Those moments where we refused to let go. Pharaoh was commanded to let the people go and he would not. He hardened his heart. When you hold on to things, it hardens your heart. When we ignore God's word, the Bible says, harden not your hearts today if you will hear my voice. When we ignore God's word, our hearts are hardened. And so... The admonition from Scripture that we heard last week was we need God to clean our hearts. Heart conditions. Now, turn with me quickly to Psalm chapter number 40, verse 12. Draw your attention here to another heart condition, the one that we will focus our time on today for these next few minutes before we gorge ourselves in cupcakes and develop another type of heart condition. You can find this heart condition throughout the scripture, both in its symptoms and occasionally even in its diagnosis. Proverbs chapter number 40, verse 12. It says, For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. This is quite heavy. Now, some of you, you could have very few problems and say of them, they are more than the hairs on your head. But notice now what he says. Therefore, my heart fails me. So I want to preach to you today on that condition, heart failure. Uh, Before you're seated, uh, would you just bow your head with me one more time as we approach the Word of God? Would you ask God to touch our hearts? Lord, we thank you for your presence that we have felt in such a profound way today. I pray that you would speak to us through your word, that it would not only touch our ears, but that it would touch our hearts. We don't want to just change our minds, God. We want you to change our hearts today. Touch us and help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. The heart. How do we define the heart? I mentioned this last week, but it bears repeating that medical science, of course, defines and describes the heart as a, as a muscle. It's an organ uh, that is made strictly of muscle, and it's responsible for pumping blood throughout our entire complex circular system. It beats, our heart does, 115,000 times per day. But Scripture also speaks of the heart. It's not that physical beating 
organ pump that is in our chest, but it's something else, the heart. The Bible would describe it as being the center of who we are, the seed of our emotions or the wellspring of our life. It is, as I said last week, with the heart that the Bible says that we love. It's with the heart, that same heart that we hate. Our hearts know what it is to be overtaken with joy, and yet we also know what it is to have our hearts overwhelmed by sorrow. With our hearts, we perceive, we ponder, we imagine, we know, and we decide. The heart, it is all of those things. It's the essence of who we are. And so it is for that reason, and with that knowledge in mind, that we have developed phrases in our culture where we would say something like, they, they have my heart. They don't have that beating organ in their possession. That would be gross. They have you. It's the heart that we would say, perhaps for the first time in middle school, that somebody broke my heart. You remember the first time somebody broke your heart? Somebody's like, yeah, yeah, I still don't like her. (laughs) Valentine's candy, it comes in boxes in the shapes of heart. I don't know if you read this, but there's a problem. uh, uh, And maybe you're not even aware of it. It's something to get upset about. But these candy manufacturers, they're they're putting less chocolate, less candy in the heart-shaped boxes. They they call it shrinkage. They, They put more fillers in there. And it's not chocolate fillers. No, it's paper. Heart. <laughs> the most iconic Valentine's candy, of course, is the conversation heart or the sweetheart. It's on those little hearts. Things were said. It began with call me. Then it was fax me. Then they changed it to text me. And now it's DM me. <laughs> I heard one comedian ask the question. He said, who was it that said, oh, here's an idea. Let's make pictures of our internal organs and give them to other people that we love on Valentine's Day. That's not weird at all. (laughs) But really, the heart has become the picture of love. Why? Because we understand that the heart captures who we are. And so it is with that understanding that our heart is really who we are. It is the essence of who we are. That It is for that reason that the writer in Proverbs 4, that wise writer would say, to keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. It will affect every other part of your life. He says we must guard our hearts. And I've just got to tell you today that many people in the natural sense, they ignore the effect that their own decisions and their own behaviors and their own ways of thinking impacts their physical hearts, choosing to point the blame at genetics or their family history. But I read something interesting just recently. It said that most heart problems aren't hereditary. Just this week I received an email from Ancestry DNA. It said that it's because of genetics that I like to take naps. Okay. But heart problems, while some of them have hereditary connections, most 
of the problems of our heart that we suffer with are not hereditary. In fact, the article that I read from Northwestern University said this, behaviors can trump a lot of genetics. And Now that I don't like to hear very much. <laughs> He, he goes on to say, Dr. Jones, the MD who was quoted uh, there from Northwestern University School of Medicine, he says the research shows people have control over their heart health. And that, of course, is true in the natural. But i got to preach to you for a few moments today and tell you that it is also true in the spiritual. And while I did tell you that that the condition of sin and the way it affects our heart, that, that is hereditary. We can blame our families for that, but I must also tell you that what you do affects your own heart. Where you go affects your heart. Who you associate with can affect your heart. And when things affect your heart, they don't only stay in your heart, but they begin to affect your entire life. So I preach to you today and tell you that we must take personal responsibility for the condition of our hearts. We need strong hearts. Here's what Psalm says in Psalm chapter number 31, verse number 24. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Can I preach to you today that when people have heart failure in the natural, they are easily tired, they lose their breath, they are unable to put forth effort. And i got to tell you that that is what the enemy wants for you spiritually. He wants you to be easily tired. He wants you to lose your breath, to lose your worship, to use your ability to use your breath to pray. God. The enemy, the Bible speaks about the enemy wanting to wear out the saints. That is what God wants for you. The enemy wants your heart to fail. He wants you to be weak and anemic. He wants your faith to be low and to be slow. He wants you to be out of breath, unable to put forth effort, unable to see God do great things in your life, too tired to believe or to pray or to worship. But I got to preach to you today and tell you that God's word says that you can be of good courage, that God is able to strengthen your heart. I know the enemy is fighting, but God is fighting too. I know the enemy is working, but God is working too. So you can have strong hearts. We are surrounded by obstacles and enemies that make us feel as though our hearts are losing strength. We see this throughout the scripture. It happens over and over again. I I won't point to every one of the examples today, but the first one that comes to mind is in 1 Samuel chapter number 17, beginning at verse number 32, when the Bible says that the Philistine army was mocking the children of Israel. There was a giant, Goliath, who was mocking them and was asking them to send a man and so that they could fight. And and everybody in the army, everybody among the children of Israel, they were too afraid to fight. And yet one man, David, a young man, in First Samuel chapter 17 says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I want to preach hope and victory and faith into some life today and tell you that God is fighting with you. And God is fighting for you. 
You do not have to suffer from heart failure. No, 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 no. God wants you to have a strong heart, a heart that's not ready to give up, not ready to throw in the towel, not, not out of faith, not too tired to keep believing or keep trusting a strong heart of faith. And so God says, guard your hearts. But here's something else that you've got to know about God. God never gives us a command in His Word without giving us an instruction about how to follow and obey the command. The instructions on how to guard the heart are found in the verses both before and after our theme verse there in Proverbs chapter 4. Let's begin there in verse number 20. He says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. And there is a lot that we could unpack about those verses and perhaps should at some point uh, dive deeper into. But what I notice most about them is that in order to fulfill the command to guard your heart, you've got to guard your eyes. Of course, he also mentions the mouth, what you speak. But your mouth is more like the stethoscope of your heart. It reveals what's already in it. Whereas your eyes are like the door to your heart. It allows things in it. So God says, in order to guard your heart, you've got to keep your eyes fixed straight ahead and your eyes must be focused on my words. And here's the truth that you've got to understand about failing hearts. Every time in the Bible where it speaks of a heart failing, it is always accompanied by fear. Fear is the heart attacker that causes a failing heart. And fear is almost always connected to what you see. Notice with me now in Matthew chapter number 14, a familiar text perhaps for some of us. The Bible says that the disciples are on a boat and uh, they're headed to the other side at Jesus' command. He says, go to the other side. And uh, while they were in the middle of the sea, the Bible says in verse 24 of Matthew 14, that they were tossed by the waves and the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you in the water. And he said, Come, be careful what you ask Jesus for. Huh. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But notice this now, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. As long as Peter was focused on Jesus and on Jesus' words, something supernatural was happening. He was literally walking on the water. But when Peter's eyes were turned away from Jesus and away from Jesus' word, 
and begin to focus on the storm and the wind. When his focus was on his surroundings instead of his Savior, fear overwhelmed his faith and he began to sink. Here's what you got to understand. Fear and faith are both fueled by focus. What are you focused on? And before we are so quick to criticize Peter in this moment, we need to remember that this moment of fear was connected to his past experiences in that Peter was a fisherman. Peter had lived his life on the water. He was familiar with navigating the seas. And because of that, his understanding and confidence and knowledge of the wind and the storms and what he had seen them do and the havoc that he had seen them uh, cause in the lives of others, it was that knowledge that fueled his fear. It was not knowledge or it was not, not fear of what might happen or what could happen. No, it was, it was knowledge. It was based on what he knows the wind can do. It was fueled by knowledge. See, sometimes we, we dismiss fear as being just the fear of the unknown or the unseen. But sometimes the things we fear is what we know. We fear the doctor's report that we know. We fear the financial statement that we know. We fear sometimes things that we know. It came from what he knew about the power of the storm. Hear me now. Sometimes fear is produced when what you know about your environment surpasses what you know about God. He knew the wind. He knew the sea. That was his environment. That's what he was raised in. That's what he was equipped for. That, that's where his knowledge was found. And when that knowledge of his environment surpassed his knowledge of God, the enemy had a foothold to allow fear to come into his life and cause him to sink. i got to tell you today that if you want to guard your heart against fear, you've got to learn some things about God. Your knowledge of God has got to be greater than your knowledge of the environment. So I tell you that you've got to put your eyes on His Word and you've got to put your eyes on His promises because as long as your knowledge of Him is greater than your environment, then fear cannot hold you down. If you want to have a strong heart, if you want to guard your heart against heart failure, you've got to know in whom you have believed. And you've got to remind yourself of His promises and keep your eyes on Him and His Word. David would say in Psalm 73, uh, verse number 26, My heart, or my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He said, I know that what I'm battling with is heart failure. There, there are things attacking my heart. There are fears that are trying to creep into my heart. But I am reminding myself that God is able to give my heart strength. And He has poured my portion forever. My prayer today is God, strengthen our hearts. Help us to focus on your word in this hour where there are so many things that want to steal our focus away. If you 
you've brought me to this storm or if you've brought me to this struggle, then you will bring me through the storm and through the struggle if I keep my eyes and my focus on you. I'm preaching against fear today and tell you that God is with you and God is for you. And so you can trust in him. Come on, why don't you lift up your hands for just a moment right there where you're standing. I, you need to begin to ask God to speak peace to some storms in your life. God, help me to keep my eyes on you. Help me to keep my eyes on your word. Help me to keep my eyes on your commands and trust that you are with me. Hallelujah. Perhaps the most interesting and compelling verses... It was, when we think of and talk about this idea of heart failure, comes in a time yet to happen. It's found in Luke chapter number 21, beginning in verse number 26. The verses prior to this, Jesus is speaking prophetically about the days that are to come, the end of days. The signs that you can expect to experience. And if you read that, it reads almost like, the headlines of our newspapers today. I believe that we are living in the end times. And that Jesus is coming again. But he says of this time, this season. He says men's hearts will fail them for fear. And the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. He said that there's going in this season when people are going to see all that's happening around them and they're going to focus on their surroundings and they're going to have expectation but not, 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 not good expectation, not expecting God to move or expecting God to even come in this day. No, 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 no. It's an expectation of the things that are coming on the earth. This is a carnal expectation of what's going to happen for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. He says men's hearts will fail them. i got to tell you that when you focus on your surroundings, your heart will fail. If your expectations are only of things carnal and earthly, your heart will fail. Because where there is health, sickness will come. Where there is prosperity, there will be attacks on that prosperity. Where there is job security, there will be layoffs. If you're looking at the environment, if you're watching the news, you will find yourself, and I'm not preaching that you shouldn't watch the news. Feel free to watch the news, but make sure that, that you're keeping your eyes focused on Jesus because He is the one that is in control, and He is the one that speaks peace to every storm. So He says, when you look at the wrong things, your heart will fail. Your hearts are connected to your eyes. So he says, if you want to guard your heart, you've got to guard your eyes. Isaiah 53 says, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. I preach to you today about heart failure, about our propensity to Allow fear to overwhelm our hearts. When we focus on our surroundings, we focus on the wind. As the music begins to come, I draw your attention to 
Just one final verse of Scripture in Psalm chapter number 46. The Bible says, God is our refuge and strength. You've got to believe that. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, because of that understanding, we will not fear. Stand with me. Why, why are we not going to fear? Is it because everything's going to be in good shape? Is it because everything's going to be taken care of? No, he says, even though the earth be removed. Even though mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. I got to tell you, if I see Everest splash into the ocean, that's a reason to wonder why we're so busy shooting down all the balloons. We need to look at something else, right? (laughs) Though its waters roar and be troubled, Though the mountains shake with its swelling. He says, even in the midst of all the calamity and the trouble and the difficulties and the trials, I'm not afraid. Why? Because God is my refuge and my strength. Your heart. I read a story of a man whose car overheated. Was stranded in the desert out west. The sun was baking down on that man, and he knew that he was going to have to find water and get some help soon. So he wandered around in an area that looked like it might have at some point been some kind of settlement. Soon his throat became raw from lack of water. He realized he wasn't even sweating anymore. Panic began to set in. He knew that. He was becoming seriously dehydrated. And just in that moment, he he saw what looked like an old pump handle with a tin can hanging from it. He walked over and looked inside the can and he found this note. Dear friend, I fixed this old pump and it works fine. But the leather washer dries out and the pump has to be primed. So under the white rock to the north, I've buried a bottle of water out of the sun and corked up. There's enough water in the bottle to prime the pump, but not if you take a drink first. Pour about a fourth of it on the leather washer and let it soak, and then pour the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. He says, you'll get water, all the water you could ever want. This well has never run dry. Have some faith. Then, when you've pumped all the water you need, fill the water bottle back up. Put it where you found it for the next person who travels this path. It takes faith to trust that the words written are true. i got to tell you, it takes faith to believe that this word is true. That you can trust in it. That you can build your life on it. And you only have so much faith. You only have, it's like just this small amount of resource. And if I give it to God, then what happens if the well is dry? You know, really I think what fear is, 
perhaps more than anything else. It's an understanding that we're not in control. I got to tell you, you are not in control. But He is. And so I'm going to guard my heart by looking at His Word, by trusting in Him, by saying, Lord, if you brought me to this, you're going to bring me through it. That there is no weapon that is formed against me that will prosper. That you have never left me, that you have never forsaken me. Come on, the enemy, he wants you to focus on your surroundings because he knows that when you turn your eyes off of him, you'll begin to sink. If we walk by faith, then we fall by fear. And so I tell you today, we got to put our eyes on him and say, I'm going to trust you. I don't know what's going to happen politically, environmentally, economically. I don't know any of those things. I have no control over any of it. But I know that God's in control. I don't know what's going to happen with my health or with my wealth. But I know who's in control of it. So I'm going to put my eyes on Him. And I will not fear. My heart can be strong. Because God is the strength of my heart. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to begin to sing. And as we do, I say this each week, but I believe the power of the Word of God is connected to our ability and our willingness to respond to it. And the way that we respond to it, the way you respond to it, may be different than the way I respond to it, but it requires a response. And I think a response that would be appropriate for us today is the things that have had your attention and your focus, the things that have tried to peel your eyes away and your faith away from God, the things that have kept you up at night, the worries, the fears, the anxieties, that you would just give them all to God in this moment and you would say, Lord, strengthen my heart. Help me to guard my heart by guarding my eyes. I fix them on your word today. I believe that your word is true, so I'm going to trust it. And I believe that you are for me and not against me. I'm going to trust it. And I I, I believe that, that you are the author and the finisher of my faith. So I'm going to trust you with the pen. I'm going to believe, God, that, that everything that is happening around me, that, that it is for my good. I'm going to trust you. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, perhaps you would be comfortable just lifting up your hands in the house as a sign of surrender, saying, Lord, strengthen our hearts. God, I, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice right now. We know that the attacks of the enemy are many, that, that the surroundings are tumultuous, that the wind is...